Welcome to episode 623 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 623 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. Now, John, I know we hate talking about the weather, but the city's now actually disappeared. Well, I don't care because I'm sitting in Germany oh, right now. Oh, in the sun. Is, yeah, it's oh. been, uh, the forecast is, has been really, really hot, hopefully. So it's good times. It'd be a cool time to be in Germany right now because of the Soccer World Cup's on. Yes, I was actually in France in the, when they won the World Cup all the way back in, must have been... Uh, 99, 98, 98 or 99. What was it that was like? Good times. Really? Good times. Was it a big party? It was a big party. Did you let rip? Although German, yeah, we, we, we were partying pretty hard. I remember because um, Macca was over there that year and Crowe was in town at the same time. Well, Crowe was in town and Macca was in the same time and they both said that France were going to lose and they bet their hair on it and they both got their heads shaved by the locals. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? They looked. Macca wasn't, uh, Macca wasn't too bad because he had short hair anyway, yeah. but Crowe looked like an idiot. <laughs> he looked, I've never heard that story. No? Yeah, yeah. they got their heads shaved. Why didn't you? Uh, I was not partial to the bet. Oh. Mm. Who who were they playing? Who? Were, I, ca- I cannot remember that, but they won. Okay, I'm going to find it. nuts. Um, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by? Extreme Endurance. Uh, your Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. We've got a few here. Eric Icy Burney, Robert Cuddles Evans, and Nicholas the Hitch Pocock. The Hitch there we go, there we go, the hitch, he's got the hitch. This week's show we've got, it's a bit of a funny show because John is over in Rote and I'm leaving today actually. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving today. I'm leaving from this show. As soon as I push go, I go to the airport. I'm a little bit gutted because John went on here New Zealand has got his upgrade. Oh, I'm loving the upgrade. And I've paid through New Zealand, I've gone to Singapore Airways. Yeah. Which I don't mind in Singapore Airways, but I can't get my upgrade. Yeah. Gutted. Gutted. But anyway. Fire travel agent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that's my wife, so I can't fire her. Uh, but in this week's show, we've got some news, but basically it's two interviews. John, who we got? We have got Torsten Rad talking about, uh, mostly about Rote, but also a little bit about where we're at where we're at in the Kona rankings. And then we have an interview that you did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, with Kyle Buckingham. So he won the Ironman South Africa, which was the African Championships. He had a very strong day at the office there. And then we also, he had a good performance in um, Ironman Cairns recently. So he's booked his ticket to Kona. And the cool thing about this interview is he's a guy that's won Kona overall for age groupers and then he's progressed into a pro athletes so really helps to explain the different dynamic racing in age group versus uh, pro. John it was against Brazil. It was against Brazil that's why it was even more significant now, yep. now I remember. Yeah, it was 3-0 like, they smashed them. You play in Brazil come on yeah you're thinking they're the best ever mm. but no they weren't that year um, uh, just just on this, we've, so we have got Challenge Rote coming up this weekend and we're releasing today's show. Now, I'll, we'll be trying to get shows out every day. Pretty, pretty much, much every next, day? Yep, over the next few days. So we'll be getting some pros. It'll be very much like we did last year. Um, it probably won't happen tomorrow because I'm travelling, but then from there forward up to race day and through to race day and even maybe the day afterwards, we'll be getting lots of content out to you guys. So the, the Rote Super Week begins, John. It does indeed. It does indeed. So coming up this weekend, we, we've got Ro- 
and we'll be talking lots about that over the next few days and we're talking about it a lot with Dawson in our interview today so we probably won't talk much about that now but Ironman Austria is also another race and it's one of those fast races out there it is fast and it is short, which it was a lot of these <laughs> races are. Um, so we're going to be talking course records. We're not talking world records if anything gets broken from now on, or at least I'm not. Uh, on the male side, we've got Ivan Tutkin, who had that awesome race at Texas where his run was just electric. You know, we had um, Matt Hansen who took the race out, um, but Ivan Tutkin was only just behind him. So he's expected to come in. Well, first look at his place. run time here from Thorson. Thorson's got his estimated run times at two thirty four. Awesome. <laughs> uh, David McNamee is seated second on here. We know that he got that podium in Kona. We know that he is one of the fastest runners in the sport as well. Expected to run a two forty one. Uh, Andy Potts. I don't recall hearing too much from Andy Potts in recent times, so hopefully he can pull out a good race. Michael Weiss is ranked fifth on Torsen's ratings. If he can transfer across some of those 70.3 runs that he's been doing to... Um, dangerous. To this, he is going to be dangerous. So a good, strong males field. On the females' side of the racing, uh, you've got Susie Cheatham expected to come in first place, just ahead of Eva Wooty and Lusa Heath Howler uh, is predicted to come in third place. So predicted three sub nine hour performances. Uh, you've got a good sized females field, around about 20 athletes there. So good luck to everybody doing Austria. It does sound, from all the age group athletes that I've heard go over there, it does sound like a very cool race to go and do. Okay. Oh, one thing I will say, did I say her name on the start list? No, she's on debut, that's why. Uh, Emma Pallant, she had an unsuccessful... South Africa? Uh, she had an unsuccessful, I think this might be our Legends of Triathlon podcast just okay. uh, calling me, so I'm just going to answer this, Bevan, so pause okay, the I'll show. Pause. We're back in a second. We are back, and John just it was rude, to <laughs> say the least. He picked up the phone, he thinks it's our Legends interview, and it's not, and he goes, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the athletes that I coach in the States. Like, <laughs> Who was it? We need to give him some love. Uh, it was Greg. I don't know if Greg's a patron or not. I should look up his, his nickname. But Greg, we, we apologise. John, apologise. Yes, I'm sorry, Greg. Sorry, you rude man. You are, you rude man. Okay, so what we're talking about... Um, I was talking Aust- about Emma Pallant. Yeah, so uh, she didn't do that well. She did anything for Iron Man South Africa. She did. So she's uh, she's making her debut and she could be a force to be reckoned with. Very good 70.3 athlete. And I looked on Torsten's ratings last week. She's got good points for Kona, so she really just needs a finish a in yeah. terms of actually uh, making it. So who knows? whether she can transfer it across but look out for her so wait a second she hasn't done an Ironman yet no but she's got good points 70.3s yes okay so she just needs to get a good one to make it work it's amazing we don't give Ironman Austria more love really you know like obviously it doesn't get the fields of a Germany in that but it does always deliver a fast race it does and you've had some great winners there in terms of Marino you know he was the the king over there for a long time and we've seen other um, record times set there I remember back when we were in Rote the the first time yep. uh, I think there was that record set there that weekend so we have had a lot of fast times yeah good times okay so John uh, let's get into our interview so first of all we're going to talk to Thorsten about Ironman oh, sorry Challenge Road and a little bit about what was coming up for Kona uh, we did this interview last week but we'll probably be catching up with him over the next few days while we're in Road as well so here is Thorsten Okay, guys, so today is sort of going to be our pre-rote show, so it's uh, we're actually pre-recording this before we get over to Germany, and um, when it comes out, we will be sitting in 
Nuremberg somewhere, counting down the days of the race. So we've uh, got Torsten on the show to talk us through what he's been up to in terms of uh, getting ready for that race and as well as getting a bit of an update on where everything is in terms of uh, Kona rankings, etc. So welcome back to the show, Torsten. Well, thanks for having me again. This becomes kind of a tradition by now, right? Yeah. Whenever you come over to Germany. <laughs> Pre-wrote and pre-Kona. Yeah. Germany might be the, the third most place I've ever been to in the world. No, fourth. Fourth? Yeah. Very it's Australia, America, and then Germany. Yeah, Germans are so lucky. I tell you, you're in for a treat. Right, so we, we reported oh, well. on the show, um, I think it was last week, um, or it might have been the week before, that you had a rote a rating report out, or a Roth rating report, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, so t- <laughs> tell us a bit about that, because um, is it sort of similar to what your, your Kona report's like? So just give, it, give us the insight on, on what people can expect. Yeah, it's uh, similar to uh, the report that I put out uh, for Kona, looking back at uh, a bunch of the previous races that we've had there, the previous winners, uh, last year's race, a um, bit of information about um, the course. I know you did some of the course description that I have in my Kona rating report. Mm. And for Ruth, I was able to get uh, Belinda Granger, who's raced and won there at least once from memory, I think. Um, give us some a description of of the road course and how to race that well, and then a detailed look at the predictions for the field that I have, and for the pros racing there, where each of their strengths and weaknesses are. And I mean, with Kona, you have like basically 55 guys and 40 women that you can fill pages and pages about. The field is a little bit thinner um, for road, but there's still a number of very interesting athletes, and I think we can look forward to uh, pretty interesting races. Uh, on July 1st, and I uh, try to, you know, predict how the race might pan out and who the main players are, and a bunch of feedback from them, so a couple of questions going over the courses and their thoughts going into the race. I know I, I posted uh, a link to our group um, who are going over there for the camp, and uh, Mr. Sausage, Ollie Jenner, he, was, uh, he said he got it, and he had a good read-through, and he said it's an awesome way to get a, a good feel for, the, um, for what's going on for, for the athletes. So guys, these reports are a great way to get to know the athletes. It'll help you further down the track as well when you're observing races, you know a bit more about them uh, and uh, some good readings. So, yeah, nice work. So, so Thorsten, you've done, you know, you, you're, you're very much involved in kind of the triathlon world, but if we look at Rote and um, Frankfurt, you know, two of the biggest races in the world and they happen around the same time, just from your perspective, uh, what are some of the differences you see in those two races, maybe from the media, from the coverage, and from a German perspective, and from the athletes' experience? Hmm. Well, I mean, you have to kind of step back a little bit in how both of these races started. I mean, Rot was Ironman Europe for a long, long time, and I think 2001 was the last time it was an official Ironman race. And they couldn't figure out how to renew the contract between the road organizers and WTC at that point. Um, and they split ways and WTC started Ironman Frankfurt and established that as the German Ironman race. And then, of course, Challenge had to or the road people had to come up with a decision of um, do they continue uh, putting up the race in, in what form? And they decided basically to continue to offer the same race with the same size of the field, same organization, but just not under the Ironman level and uh, label. But and they came up with the challenge label. Um, so it's it's always been this kind of 
um, the the big corporate race in Frankfurt, which also fits the the image of Frankfurt as a city in Germany with the banking uh, industry down there, and the more um, roots grass level family oriented uh, challenge route race. And I think that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. If you want to go to Kona, obviously Frankfurt is the race to go to. But if you're racing there to have a great experience, to have an enjoyable race and to um, maybe have a little more focus on um, the athletes and the athletes experience, then maybe what you get in Frankfurt with Frankfurt, you get a completely well-organized race and a great experience. But with um, Ruth, you always have the feeling that they're taking a little bit extra steps uh, to make sure that the athletes really enjoy the race and have a great racing experience there. So that's maybe the difference in, in feeling maybe you can compare it to you know a well-organized WTC 70.3 and in the US to a wildflower race which has this kind of mm-hmm. uh, long history um, and and uh, basically a look back at how the old times were I mean both of them are um, co- um, commercial entities looking to make some money of what they're doing but it's it's a little bit different feeling to being in road than it being in Frankfurt mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's I mean from the comparison. athletes if, if you look there, um, basically Frankfurt, you have a big city and um, you notice that the Ironman is going on there, but it's definitely not the only show in town at that weekend. Um, whereas if you go to Roth, it's a small town. Um, pretty much everyone in that town is involved in the race or watching the race or having athletes stay with them or... Uh, volunteering for the race or, or and so on. And I mean, the, what I always like to say to people who consider going to road is uh, make sure to figure out where to stay because the whole town has like six hotel beds in total. Yeah. And of course, they're, they're, they're not uh, helping much in uh, um, housing 3000 athletes that'll be there for the weekend. So yeah. the whole region is involved in the event. And it's it's just um, total triathlon atmosphere. Whereas Frankfurt, it's a big race, but certainly not the only show. Do, do the do either of the races or both races get much coverage in terms of um, national media coverage? I know that they're both on TV, and I'm not sure if that's on one of the main TV channels or some tiny little cable ch- channel. So do, do they actually get much coverage? It might be a bit different with the World Cup on at the moment, but what sort of coverage do both events get? <laughs> Well, I think both of them are on TV stations that you can get uh, ac- across the nation here in Germany. Um, it's uh, not the the um, big national stations, uh, but there's a, a more regional station. But they are you can receive them across the nation, so everyone who wants to follow the race uh, can watch both of them pretty much for the whole uh, duration. And I think uh, at least Frankfurt probably has a couple of hours um, that are on the. Uh, national level uh, station as well so both of the races are extremely well covered uh, by uh, print media by tv of course by the triathlon media as well and they're they're really big big races um, going on and it was a bit of a shame last year when they uh, were on the same weekend and it was just bad for triathlon overall that um, instead of having two consecutive weekends with big triathlon races and to uh, double the chance of getting people interested in triathlon um, and having them on the same weekend, basically wasting um, half of each uh, reach at that point. Mm. But be- better this year, where it's consecutive weekends. Um, I think they have managed to avoid the the German 
soccer games, which are on Saturday, I think, is, is Germany. So Sunday is the race. Yeah. Um, so that should should work out well. <laughs> Very good. So last year, you know, the conditions were horrific. It was the slowest year ever. Um, yet some of us still managed okay races. Now, look, last year the times were, seemed a bit slower in terms of uh, my perception. You might be able to tell tell me otherwise, but the swim times seemed a bit slower, and because of the change in the run course, the run was um, definitely a bit slower. So uh, just yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure that. from the data that I've seen uh, look, that your data's wrong. It, it was actually slower. <laughs> Who believes data? Uh, things, things might be different um, a little bit further um, behind the front of the race. <laughs> no, was, yeah, <laughs> but um, I think overall, I mean, the, the 2017 times on the pro level were a couple minutes slower than the years before, but those were exceptionally fast uh, races. Mm. And I couldn't see any slower racing on the marathon times as well. Um, I think the perception of the run course uh, was uh, that it was a lot harder than in previous years. In previous years, we had these long stretches along the canal, pretty level, pretty even, uh, crushed gravel, so it felt probably easier to run. Whereas this year, or last year, it had some some hills in there that you had to get over twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't actually reflect that much in in the, the run times that we've seen last year. Mm-hmm. I think it just felt a lot harder and was mentally a lot more taxing um, than those those long straight sections. I, th- I think we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one. Um, <laughs> now, I know we would. The, the, this year, it looks like there's been a significant um, increase in prize money. Uh, also, do, do you know if there's um, any money on the line if people do happen to set course records? Yeah, I'm not aware of any any specific uh, open money out there. I'm sure that if Sebi breaks the record, um, he'll have some some bonuses in his contracts for uh, breaking records. But I'm not aware that uh, the challenge people have put out uh, specific um, um, world record uh, purposes or so. I know there was a uh, hundred thousand dollars a couple of years ago when when Mac, uh, Chris McCormick was was uh, charge, chasing the record. But I'm not aware of any. Uh, specific money put out this year. Just last year, we had no. I mean, Sebi was probably be the only one on the male side who could get really close on it on an extra super special day. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the female side, I mean, Daniela chased the record the last two years um, officially and um, came up a little bit short. Um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone is uh, really close to getting to the 818 that that Chrissy Wellington did. Mm-hmm. Uh, six or seven years, uh, 2011, I think it was. Um, yes, yeah, everyone's still way off that. So Nils Forum was winning last year and then uh, crashed. Do you just know much about what was, what's happening with his recovery? You're like, where is he at with his racing right now? Yeah, Nils was in the lead when he uh, crashed into an age grouper trying to overtake her. And I guess uh, he was relatively okay, um, except that his bike wasn't. Um, he had a little uh, injury on his, on his knee, a little bit bleeding, but nothing serious. And he continued to race the, over the summer. Uh, he did 70.3 uh, in Rügen and was also on the start line in in Kona. Um, but he had some kind of a running injury that kept him from from doing well on the run course. And he DNF'd in Kona and hasn't raced since then. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what, what the diagnosis for his injury is, but he's still recovering from that. But as far as I know, it it didn't have anything to do with the crash that he had in in Rode. Now we mentioned the prize money. Um, fill us in on on you know what the prize money looks like compared to you know um, regional championship races and whether or not it mm-hmm. actually 
if you think it has any impact on the quality of the field because the quality of the field this year looks you know similar to last year um, but there's significantly more prize money yeah i mean the, the price money was increased from i think 75,000 euro it was last year which would be about $90,000 i think to $200,000 uh this year um which as far as i know is the second largest um price purse in any ironman distance race i mean kona is still way ahead with uh $650,000 uh but it's more than uh ironman is offering for the regional championships which is at 150,000. So really big price purse uh, this year uh, for the road field. And I think the field is somewhat stronger than what we've seen last year. I mean, Sebi is is a big uh, draw, uh, both in Germany and internationally. And we've also had a couple of other uh, good athletes uh, join the field and some late entries as well. And I think the female race, um, even if it draw, doesn't have the, the big name, uh, of Daniela on the start list this year uh, is really interesting with four or five athletes that are relatively close together in capabilities and Lucy Charles obviously being the the headline act there but um, I think the field is um, somewhat stronger than last year we always have to see who is actually going to show up on mm-hmm. on race day and who's actually going to race there's always a little shift there but I think it uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it had an impact on the people showing up there but at least it showed that um, Rode wants to offer good purses and uh, wants to offer um, exceptional racing on the pro side as well. Um, I think I like the field that is up there, and it's not like um, Sebi is the clear favorite on the men's side, but it's not like he can just uh, call it in. And the female race, as I said, is pretty close among a number of competitors there, so that could get really interesting on race day. So, so you mentioned Keenlay there, you know, and and you'd think that if he races well, he, he should probably win. It depends how fast he might go, but he, he'll still need to race well. So maybe just quickly fill us in on, on some of the other males, um, some of the other stronger males that are on the start list. Yeah, I mean, with Sebi, you always have to look at how much time does he uh, lose uh, during the swim? How much time does he have to make up? In Kona, it's uh, always been like four or five, six minutes. And that made things interesting for the first uh, one or two hours on the bike to uh, for him to catch up. Um, yeah, this year um, in the road field, which with the faster swim times, I don't think he'll lose quite as much. So um, he should be able to get to the front sooner. And it's not like there's going to be 30 or 40 uh, people he has to catch. It'll maybe be 10 that he has to get to. And it's unlikely um, to be a compact group. But if you go through the field... Um, you have good swimmers such as Rania, uh, David Dello, um, James Kunema, uh, maybe Andy Dreitz, uh, who should swim considerably faster than, than Sebi, and are also no slouches on the bike. I mean, Andreas, uh, when he won his first Ironman in, in Italy, had the fastest bike time by like 15 minutes or so. Hmm. Uh, he might be one that could um, also try to step it up and ride with, with Sebi once he passes through. And then, of course, you have Cameron Wurf. Uh, on the start list, I hope he's actually going to race there because um, he's he's registered for a number of of big name races uh, the week before in France or uh, Rode. But I think from what I heard from him the last couple of weeks, it sounded as if Rode is currently <laughs> the the leader in in uh, him actually racing there. And uh, Cam is comparably uh, at the same level as Sebi, maybe a touch faster than Sebi in the swim. Um, I know he'll 
want to come out ahead at least like a minute or so in front of Sebi and then make sure Sebi never sees him on the bike. I don't know if that's a likely scenario, but certainly he can ride at a level um, very much the same as, as Sebi and Cam likely also going to uh, put in a little bit extra on the on the bike to um, be the T2 leader and then hope for a run that's even better than what he's shown um, this year in South Africa uh, when he had the bike league but never really uh build it up to a huge levels and then was able to run um a decent marathon and still finish in fourth place so um yeah it, it, he might be able to uh put his foot down on the bike course and really go for the for really fast time on the bike and then see where his runs at but it'll be hard for him even if he has a lead um to um run well enough to um you know, be able to beat the likes of Sebi or a number of others in the field because um, they should run 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes faster than he does. Mm. And that's that's really hard to to gain that advantage on the bike for him. But it could make certainly the racing on the bike pretty interesting on the men's side. And then on during once once everyone hits the run, um, yes, yeah, Sebi should have the best run legs, I guess, because he's always been running well in his summer races. But, you know, if you have a Rania in there in striking distance to him, um, who was doing well in Lanzarote this year, or a Joe Skipper, who always runs really well in Kona, um, and, or a James Kunama, who's been uh, improving leaps and bounds uh, the last year, um, that could really make at least challenging for him and uh, to, you know, force him to show um, a really good run there. And I guess that's what Sebi is looking for. Um, to show a good result in the summer, but also to um, send out a signal that um, he's still in the mix for for Kona win. Now I see Sven Reeder was is on the start list, whether or not he's racing or not. Do you do you know? And uh, if so, has he actually? If he is racing, is this his uh, Iron Distance debut? My guess is that he is. Well, he is on the start line for sure. He was a late entry, so um, I assume that um, it's not like something he planned in March and forgot about. <laughs> so, and he's also uh, raced uh, a number of half-distance races. He was in Challenge Heilbronn uh, last weekend, uh, finishing in third place behind Sebi and um, Andy Becherra. So, um, he, he seems to be working towards longer distance races. Um, his first one was Barcelona last year, um, where he did an 8.29, which is not a particularly fast time uh, on the Barcelona course. And 11th place is certainly probably not the level of racing that he, he wants to get at for the long distance. Um, yeah, he needs to step it up from that level. But it's all, I mean, we all know that doing the first Ironman, you don't really know what you're doing. Um, you don't really know what what you're capable of and um, what to look for. I guess he'll he'll have taken his lessons from that, and I, my guess would be that he's going to race uh, considerably better than that. Um, yeah, good swimming coming from the shorter distance, but um, biking well and running well, uh, it's a completely different story. So we'll see. Um, he might be certainly in the front group for for quite some time, but um, his strategy for the race will be interesting to watch. So on the girls' side of things, Lucy Charles is probably favorite, but it's not a massive favorite based on your rating here. Yeah, that's the way I see it too. I mean, Lucy will be the one leading after the swim. Um, she'll be very likely also be the leader 
uh, in T2. Whether she can extend her lead at that point or not is, is a different story. But it's, it doesn't look as if the others uh, racing as well are going to massively eat into her lead at that point. And then it comes down to who is going to run well. And Lucy's been improving uh, her running by quite a bit over the last uh, races that she did. But Kaiser Sali, who is also on the start line, um, should uh, be at a similar level to her on on the bike at least. And then if you have a, like a distance of six, seven, eight minutes on the swim, uh, that's also something that Kaiser could make up to Lucy on the run. Um, so they could end up at a pretty similar level. Yeah, good times. Well, your rating has them within like forty five seconds of each other, so yes. it could be a really exciting could, race. Could, yeah, I mean that's that's certainly at a difference where I would say. Um, it, it it depends on who's having the better form on race day um, between those two. But also, I mean, the race dynamic will be interesting there as well because you have Laura Sedell, you've got Yvonne van Flerken, and you've also got uh, Daniela Semla and uh, another Dutch girl, Sarissa de Vries, um, who could be, um, you know, part of a um, bike group uh, in, in quotation marks. I'm not sure how, how much they're going to write together, but at least it could be something that uh, they could key off each other, and maybe the stronger biker, like like Yvonne usually is, might drag uh, Kaisa with her and help her, um, you know, start the run in striking distance to Lucy. And striking distance can be anything from, say, well, if it's five to eight minutes, my guess would be that uh, Kaisa is able to to run Lucy down. Um, so that that uh, dynamic behind Lucy uh, could make it hard for for her. Uh, riding all alone, hopefully, and not without too much help from the motorbikes out there um, to um, stay ahead of, or keep the distance large enough that um, the run is, uh, she's able to hold on to the lead on the run. Fantastic. I would say if you're going to go into a sprint finish, Road is not a, not a good place for a sprint finish because you kind of have that horseshoe, <laughs> yeah. horseshoe finish. So you would not want to be sprinting uh, sprinting around Drop there. the shoulder. So um, what's what's your yeah, sort of... Baca and, and Lothar Leder did that. Um, I'm not sure if they had the stadium back then, uh, but that must have been like a very close race that was just decided in the last K. Yes. And I'm not sure how much of an advantage uh, Lothar had uh, winning that race against Maka. Yeah. So your, your plan this year is a bit different on race day. So maybe um, tell us what listeners can expect from the, the live coverage in terms of the English version and what your sort of involvement is during the day. Yeah, so I'll actually be working on race day. <laughs> I hope I'll still be able to get a bit of the catch a bit of the swim and then uh, will be shuttled back, I hope, to uh, where the um, commentating will be because um, I'll be part of the uh, English live stream commentating team. Let's see how much people we're going to end up there. But there's going to be basically we'll we'll take the pictures that German television is producing and uh, add some English commentary on top of that um, and hopefully put out some interesting information for uh, the viewers across the globe and not just the German speakers. Um, yeah, it would be awesome if people can get in touch with me during the race, either through email or through Twitter, and uh, let me know what they're watching, where they're watching from, and um, any questions that they might have. So I've got, I'm, I can come up with stuff to talk about for the, mm. um, I think, eight hours of yeah. the race coverage. Yeah, a, a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the part that kind of scares me. I know I I know a lot about uh, uh, the 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 pros in the race. Uh, yeah, but eight hours is still a long time to fill. Yeah. 
All right, should be good times. Um, okay, so just on to, you know, and that's wrapping up the rote side of things, but um, in terms of try rating, I sent you over a few questions yesterday. I'm, I'm sort of saying, where are we at? And then I wake up this morning, go on to tryrating.com, and all my answers are basically sitting there in front of us. So, <laughs> yeah, looking at the, the KPR, um, maybe just run us through, you know, cutoff dates and um, how many people go through at this first round and, and just the basics of the KPR for people that are, that are new to this yeah i should add i i didn't put the post up because you were asking the questions but because i had them in the works anyways and a lot of other people were basically asking similar questions so uh glad that that worked out so so timely for you john um well the kpr um is the kona pro ranking which determines the participant the pro participants in kona uh there's two cutoff dates uh one at the end of july and one at the end of august uh determining a total of 50 point slots on the men's side and 35 point slots on the female side. In addition, there are automatic qualifiers for previous Kona winners and the winners of the regional championship. And the end of July uh, cutoff is approaching pretty quickly. I mean, we we know the number, there's seven Ironman races uh, still open. Uh, the fields for most of them have been fixed by now. I think there's less two more weeks before we know the fields for all of them. And uh, basically the race for the 40 slots on the men's side at the end of July and 28 slots for the females at the end of July. That's uh, pretty, yeah, h- kind of hard to tell. I mean, the, the race is heating up. There's still a number of athletes that um, should be okay from a points perspective, but need their uh, one Ironman finish outside of Kona. Um, and then there's a number of people that are around the projected cutoff on the bubble, as, as I call it. Um, that might make it or might not make it, and a bunch of athlete, a couple of athletes that are questionable whether they will take the slot. So a lot of um, drama uh, about to unfold in the next couple of months or the next well, how many seven weeks, six or seven weeks of racing uh, before the first um, group of athletes for Kona are determined. Who needs to kind of ensure a result to get there? Like, who are you looking at who's kind of going, oh, Jeeves, they need a, a good result to kind of get there? Well, I mean, we've got a, a number of athletes that just need a finish. Um, Daniela Ruff hasn't finished yet. Uh, Patrick Langen and uh, Frodeno haven't had an Ironman race uh, this this season. Uh, Simmer, a, a couple more. Heather Jackson, Sarah Crowley, Annabelle Luxford, um, David McNamee, James Kunama. Andy Potts, Boris Stein, Patrick Nielsen. I mean, all of these should be fine from a points perspective. They just need to finish an Ironman. And then you have a number more that um, already did race and scored some points, but will probably need a, a number more. Um, if you look, for example, at someone, take uh, Callum Millward. Um, my, my cutoff is projected to be at 3,500 points for the men. Uh, Callum sits at 3,465. Um, so... Yeah, things could go either way. I think last year I had a bunch of emails with um, Jesse Thomas, who was racing, who, uh, or he was racing in Ruth this year, not going for a corner slot. He was at similar points last year, and it was like every week we were going, okay, who who scored? Um, does he think he needs to race again? What are his options? And uh, basically came down to the wire. And Cal Millward is one of those on the men's side and on the female side as well. I mean, uh, Heli Fredrickson was short of the cutoff she raced uh elsinore last week and scored a bunch of points uh so she should be fine uh but you have like for example manong Jene, who is 4120 points 
Um, she's just short of the 4,400 points that I think will be needed for the female side. A bit harder to predict there. Um, so she's likely going to race again. But then you have Jody Robertson, who is second in Texas, needs to do another race, likely going to be Frankfurt. So we'll see how that turns out. I mean, there's still uh, a number of points uh, available. Frankfurt, as a big points race, uh, is going to change things again. Um, so we'll see how the final race turns out. And there's always, you know, these one or two uh, disappointments um, where athletes were gearing up for a big race and then came away with a with a DNF or a bad result that probably need to reevaluate their points and try somewhere else. Is, is anybody really, you know, any serious contenders ruled themselves out? You know, like Braden Curry was going to be really uh, tight if he didn't win Ken's. Um, he didn't really have hardly any points. But is anybody like a Marino van Holnacker, we know from Cam Brown, sort of said he's not going anymore. But have any serious contenders actually said, you know, I'm, I'm changing tack? You mentioned Jesse Thomas. So anybody else out there, really strong athletes that aren't going? Yeah, Jesse uh, definitely uh, not going for a corner slot. Um, among those that are well positioned in the points is Liz Lyles. Um, she retired after Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Ivan von Flurken might be able to get a point slot, but she also said that she's not interested in racing Kona again. And I mean, obviously, Cam Brown would be probably okay from a points perspective. Uh, Marino just just slightly ahead of the cutoff projecting. Um, he may also. Uh, get a slot and decline again as he did last year. But then you have like the Raylord brothers who always go for for slots, um, either not racing really well or um, like Andy having an injury and having to take another uh, break now. Um, Those could be interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's always a couple of people. I I haven't seen Rachel Joyce on any startless, for example. Uh, She'd be someone that I would have expected to try for Cohen again. Mm, Nice. Okay, um, so guys, look, if you if you want to be kept following Rote, go check out um, the Rote rating report, and also if you want to stay up to speed on everything happening in terms of rankings, um, up-to-date race results that are just one click. You don't have to go on and click five different things on ironman.com to try to find results and then not be able to filter them. From the post perspective, go check out tryrating.com. Um, anything else you want to get out there, Torsten, that you're up to? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, people bugged me about was that my site wasn't working really well on mobile. I hope I've done some things that it's much better to use, and at least it's workable on mobile, whereas Ironman, I think, is uh, having some... I mean, there's certain things on the Ironman website that you can't get to at all uh, mm. through on the mobile site. At least I hope that try rating is going well for that. And if you run into issues, please let me know. I'm always looking into these issues and trying to make the experience as... Uh, user-friendly as possible, especially for all those coaches who are standing on the sidelines with <laughs> their athlete in the race, someone in front of them and trying to figure out whether that guy can run or not. Um, so um, that, those are scenarios where people get really frustrated if the site isn't working. So please let me know if you run into issues so I can make the site even better to use for um, anybody else using it or if there's things that are missing or uh, you want me to look into some question uh, feel free to send me an email or, or tweet me, uh, tweet at me. I'm usually happy to um, devote some time and uh, help help people out there. Awesome. Yeah, okay, now we look forward to seeing you in, um, in just over a week's time. And uh, is it a week? When I'm going tomorrow, so it must be about a week. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> we look forward to your, your English commentary. And guys, as again, uh, check out tryrating.com. So thanks for your time, Torsten. 
thanks as always and uh, hope to see as many of the your listeners and you yourself in Roten. Game on. John, your thoughts? Oh, Torsten's the great mind of our sport in terms the of... The great geek. mind? I thought he's the geek. In term, he is the geek of our sport, knowing all the stats inside out. So I'll be really keen to see what the English version um, coverage comes out like this year in terms of the rote side of things. Obviously, I did not watch it last year. Yep. So uh, we might even hear our voices in this. L- last year was a bit poor, to be Is honest. It? I don't think they actually have an English version. I think okay. this year they're bringing in the English version. Nice. Yeah, I think they had lots of awesome German stuff, hmm. but the English version was, like you know, wrote, we love them, but there was one area that wasn't that amazing um or at least the commentary side of it um so check it out if you're doing a big training session on sunday um check it out oh and, yeah uh, and get amongst it get amongst it john it's gonna be it's, it's such an awesome race and you're gonna hear lots about that over the next few days we're gonna bombard you with all things wrote so we kind of move on from that so john let's do a sponsor extreme endurance uh they have got you know a lot of this time of the year we're all doing racing not in us down in New Zealand so much but you guys that are that are doing either your A or B races and you want to make sure you recover quickly be on the Extreme Endurance their standard product and that will help you in that regard but also they have their protein shakes as well so they've got a, a vanilla flavoured protein Ooh. and a chocolate covered flavoured protein and from personal experience taste is delicious. John I have a question for you mm-hmm. how's your um, blender going? My blender's not going to use quite so much these days. Oh, what happened? You became the blender king yeah, for a while. Yeah, no, I did. I did enjoy a bit of blender. Blender still uses it every Saturday. It's her pre-gym workout for this early Saturday morning session. But, um, yeah, I've just gone off. The, I haven't, I don't know, just not using it very much at the moment. Um, so, extreme endurance protein. They've got chocolate and vanilla that maximizes your recovery. It's got 20 grams of protein supported by 18 amino acids. It's got uh, 1,500 milligrams of lactate um, fortified with B6, B12 and D vitamins and it's gluten free. So check it out. Remember your promo code IMTALK20. Get a 20% discount off. Taste is fantastic. Had both flavors. Delicious. You could probably, probably borrow John's blender. You could. <laughs> He's not using it much. Yeah, you could. <laughs> do still bust it out from time to time, but when I was... Uh, I think I was, once the Blender Challenge happened, yeah, I was, you, you lost the love for it, didn't you? I did. It let you down. You just kicked me in the face. <laughs> I was just, can't do it anymore. So guys, check it out. Make sure you get on Extreme Endurance. Remember the promo code and remember all their other products as well as their standard Extreme Endurance. Protein is a fantastic way to aid your recovery. Plus it tastes good. Plus, you make sure you get some good hydration post-recovery as well. Weather update, the cloud is cleared, and we can now see the city again. You can see the city from Germany. That's how good yeah. it is. It's unbelievable, this weather. Yeah. Okay, we've got another interview coming up. John, who are we going? We have got Kyle Buckingham, winner of Ironman African Championships in South Africa back in, I think it was the start of April. And then he's doubled up and won, uh, not won, he's uh, placed well at Ironman Cairns, the Asia-Pacific Championships. And... Has got has got high levels of optimism about what he can achieve in Kona if he gets it all right because since he won the age group race there back in 2013 has uh, hasn't had a lot of luck uh, in terms of racing well in Kona if he can pull it all together perform like he did in South Africa definitely a top tens on the cards and who knows uh, above that okay good times here he is right now. Right, okay, so this week guys, uh, we've got Kyle Buckingham on the show, uh, he had 
fantastic win at Ironman South Africa, which was the African Championships a few weeks ago, and then has doubled that up with a really strong performance last weekend over in Ironman Cairns, where we saw old uh, Gomez making his debut and Braden Curry taking that one out, but also very well known for being uh, the first age grouper overall in Kona um, back in 2003, and since then has been racing professionally. So welcome along to the show, Kyle. Oh, you've dropped out on me there, Kyle. Oh, no. No, no, I can hear you again now. Okay. Yep, no. Yeah. So you, you just you just carry on. Um, and, uh, and look, I'm keen to know, does your record still stand in Kona? Because I know when you, set, when you won that race, you set a course record. Yes, in um, 2013, um, set a course record, uh, 8 hours, 37 minutes. 8 still stands today. Wowzers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it still stands today, so uh, still chuffed with that. So when you when you won that one overall, obviously you won your age group. Um, was that the light bulb moment where you said I'm going to go and race professionally and 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 I want to be on top of the podium in Kona, or did you already sort of have an inkling that that was the the direction you were going to head in? Yeah, um, I uh, definitely um, 2013. I knew was um, going to be my last year as an age grouper, um, even if Kona. It, it, even the, with the result um, of Kona, just because I, you know, Ironman South Africa came seventh overall, and then I had really two really good half Ironmans where I came fourth overall, including the pros, and um, and I just and that was my dream as well was to to become a professional in 2014, and but I did when I started the sport um, when I was 25 years old. I had um, three three goals, three dreams that I wanted to do, and one was to be the best age grouper and uh, set the course record in Kona, yeah. and the other one was to win in my hometown, um, which I'm really happy to have done this year, and then the next one, you know, is, is to podium in Kona one day. And, and what was what was your plan when you you came out of the age group ranks? You know, what what was your you know, you said you, you got your goals there, but but realistically, what were, what was your sort of plan progression, and what were you going to be? You know, if you take your step back between 2013 and and now, have things you know has has the plan sort of gone according to how you wanted it to go? Um, it has and it hasn't. Um, I made a few little mistakes when I, when I um, left my first ever coach, uh, Reynard Tsink. He, he had coached me for I don't know uh, for four or five years. Mm. Um, into the professional ranks and you know I, I left him in 2015 and, and maybe that decision um, wasn't right at the time but um, I don't know sometimes we, we always want to try something new and try different things and um, you know it took me a while to get to come back and get my running sorted again mm. um, but yeah it's just one of those things learning curves and uh, I think we all go through those but um uh, yes and a no <laughs> yeah but in, in terms of south africa you know you mentioned reynard tissink there you've got james Karnama, who's, who's obviously a really strong athlete what's the environment like for pro athletes in south africa in terms of getting sponsors and, and making a living out of the sport because we know it's you know the prize money around the world is 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 you know good if you win it's okay if you're winning regional championships but it's not a it's not an amazing uh you know vast hundreds of thousands of dollars so what's the climate like in south africa for you to to make a living 
Yeah, um, I have to say, South Africa response-wise is is really really difficult. Um, it's a it's a big struggle, and that's why you know I've had sponsors from um, Europe and, and a, a more European um, based. But yeah, South Africa has has definitely been hard. Um, you know, to you know pay the bills and things like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the market I, I think in South Africa is you know it's, it's probably growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely see it growing now. Um, but yeah, it was definitely hard in the beginning. But I was very lucky enough that my first ever sponsor was South was Velocity Sports Lab, and it's a, a privately owned gym mm-hmm. um, in in Cape Town in Hart Bay, and that was my first ever sponsor. And they basically changed, basically. Uh, it got me back from London when I was working as an electrician full time yeah. um, into working part time at the gym and I could train four or five hours a day yeah. um, and basically changed my changed my career and my and my life. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And so are you, where are you based these days? You know, you're obviously from South Africa. You said you were in London um, and we know that, you know, it's uh, South Africa can sometimes be a, a tricky place to, to train. Um, so where, where are you sort of based and, and maybe fill us in on, on the good spots in South Africa to be able to go and train? Okay, so I'm, I'm still based. In, I base myself in from Port Elizabeth. I was born in Port Elizabeth and um, it's where the Ironman and the African Champs happens as well. Um, so we live out on the course, probably on the 25-kilometer mark on the bike. So it's very convenient with training. But um, I have to say, probably all the places that I've trained um, around the world, I think Port Elizabeth is definitely one of the, my favorites. Yeah. Um, there's just so much variety on the bike. Um, you can do. I, I can leave my house, and I don't have to go through a traffic light, you know, for eight hours if I wanted right. to. Yeah. So it's it's very convenient in that way, and there's um, there's great running tracks, and there's um, amazing pools, and you know it's um, yeah Nelson Mandela Bay, as we call it now, is um, is awesome for for athletes to train in. And and now, I mean, when I when I started when I was 25 years old, and I went back uh, from London, I was there I think a month before the race. And it wasn't wasn't as big as now. Now there's like athletes all over the road. I mean, there's, met, there's lots of groups and training groups. So it's definitely getting bigger. Yeah. And how are things sort of shaping up for the seventy point three worlds? Yeah, um, still uh, still a big decision on that one. Um, yeah. I still actually have to qualify. <laughs> but um, you know, my main focus is is Kona and um, and to be honest, I mean Ironman is more my thing. Yeah. Um, than half Ironman. Um, I didn't come from from speed. I didn't come from Olympic distance racing. I didn't come from running or anything. So um, I'm more of, uh, as my coach would say, I'm more of a diesel engine mm-hmm. than uh, yeah, like a. So I think um, all hours on Kona, and um, if the yeah, um, we still have to play it by ear. Um, no decisions have have been made just yet. Okay, so just back to your sort of initial changeover from being a, an age group athlete across to, to racing professionally. You know, it looked like you had some really good 
success early on. Um, you, know, you had a second at South Africa, you won Lake Placid um, very early on. So did that give you, you know, what, what was the transition like and, and how did life change or, or was it for you a case that it really was just ticking a box and it was slightly different training and were, were you still working a bit or, or how, did, how did it sort of work, that, that initial changeover period and, and your initial success? Yeah, um, going professional, definitely I had the opportunity to actually uh, train all day and, um, and start working full time. Um, so that that was a massive help just because of recovery um, and I was able to maybe train an extra two hours a day or but I was able to have that afternoon sleep or do things you know outside of training um, that helps you perform every single day so those those were definitely one of like the biggest things but um, uh, yeah it's um, it, it didn't change too much. Um, I knew it was, I was heading in the right direction just because of mainly the consistency in my training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, wasn't one to miss a session or even though I was tired, I, I did, I did, did, I did every, everything that was on the program every single day. And I think just with the consistency over the years, um, uh, really saw my results like just going better and better every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always intrigued to to know the difference racing the age group race in Kona as opposed to um, the the pro uh, the pro race. Um, because, yeah, it's very you know, different. <laughs> you, you, you've had you had fantastic a few races there in Kona as an age grouper, and you've switched over. And 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 from what I can see from your you know just the numbers in your Kona races hasn't really um, transferred across to, uh, to to great pro races. So. Yeah. Why has that been? Has it been that you've just gone for it on the bike to try to stay with the group, or or you just bombed out, or, or what? What, have, what? What's the big difference? You know, especially for those some of those guys who are good age groupers. You know, say maybe they're podium athletes and in, in the those younger age groups. You know, what has been the biggest challenge shifting across to the pro race? Okay, so yeah, the pro race is is um, very very different. Um, in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. Um, that first hour on the bike was absolutely, um, yeah, it was like, um, I've never even done an Olympic race, but, um, everyone says it's like Olympic distance triathlon. Um, there were some, you know, some instances on the bike for the, at least for the first 45 minutes when I'm way above in, in the highest threshold, um, <laughs> just because they, they're making these, um, whoever's on the front makes these surges. And then they slow down. And I even remember in 2015, I got a penalty because it does this yo-yo effect in the beginning of the bike ride. Um, so they're actually not even going at a constant pace. It's, it's, I don't know how it yo-yos like that. But um, so in 2016, I went back and I said, okay, I'm not even going to bother doing that. I'm just going to ride my own race. And what I did was in 2016 rode exactly basically how I rode as an age grouper whereas when I was in 2013 as an age grouper I had finally got power meter that year yeah. um, I rode my my wattage that I was supposed to ride that day and I didn't you know I was I was basically on the bike ride for 140 for the first 140 k's of my own yeah. until four guys caught me but um, uh, I just did my own thing um, and stuck to the plan and the 2016, it worked out even better than 2014, 2015, just because I wasn't making those 
uh, burning those matches on the bike. Um, and I, I passed 23 guys, you know. I yeah. came out the water, I don't know, 40th or something. I came off the bike just in front of Patrick Langer um, in, yeah, in 2016. Yeah. And yeah. It was, I came off the bike like 20 seconds. So it's, but then unfortunately I had stomach issues um, in 2016. 2015, um, let's go back to 2015. I just wasn't, uh, my running fitness wasn't up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was a, a real downfall. 2014, well, 2014 as well, the Lake Placid, really late July. And um, Raynaud actually said, don't do Kona, just do another um, Ironman and then validate for the following year. Supposed yeah. to do Arizona. And yeah, just, um, uh, yeah, just a <laughs> schoolboy era that I, that I did, but oh, I was excited, you know, it was my first year as a professional, I wanted to go to Kona as my first yeah. year as a professional, everything was very exciting, but yeah, at the end of the day, probably that was definitely the right decision, was just to do another Ironman and then wait for the following year, mm. Mm. but, um, you know, all that being said, I mean, yeah, 2016, I had, a, I had stomach issues, and then I really had to um, think about, what, you know, what went wrong, and um I sat down with my coach now, uh, Paul Larson, at the end of that year, and we changed my diet. Mm -hmm. um, and since I've changed my diet, um, everything has just been a lot better. Mm. But if if I had to give you an answer for all, I would say maybe stick to the same coach. Um, mm. You know, jumping around too much um, definitely it can it can hurt your career. Um, or it can set you back even a year, two years, you know, um, just because it's that consistency and then you have that relationship um, with the coach. Um, I think that's one of those are my biggest pointers. So in terms of, you know, the secret for success for you and Kona going forward, do you know, do you think you can get a, a really good result there by doing your own race or do you need to be in the mix um, to, to stay in that group to, to be in contention to, to you know to, to top 10 and, and top five yeah I mean it, to do a top 10 I definitely think you can do your own race on the bike mm. um, I could ride a I could ride like a 430 for a very similar side I could go run a 248 marathon mm. and um, I'll probably come seventh or sixth yeah, yeah. But if you want to get into that that top five, um, you got to make that front pack on the swim. Well, you don't have to make that front pack on the swim, but it's always helpful. Yeah, unless you're um, two thirty nine. And then like you know that <laughs> you need to be a yeah, <laughs> and you need to you need to be a, a solid uh, bike rider. Um, but when you see guys like um, Boris Stein or um, Guys that are riding their own race, like uh, Lionel Sanders, and they they use their bikes to their strength, and they're still running very solid off the bike. Mm. Um, you can squeeze into that top three, but yeah, it definitely, if you come out the front <laughs> front pack in the water of the water, and you're with them on the bike, and uh, it, that definitely does help uh, the run. Mm. Just sitting, sitting, sitting in the pack, um, but you know, fifteen, twenty guys that definitely helps the run at the end of the day. Mm. 
Oh, no, t- talk us through your Ironman South Africa because um, you won there. It's a, it's a really solid field, obviously a, a hometown race. Um, but result, you know, numbers on the board only tell us so much. So, you know, did the race, was it, was it a perfect race for you? Um, did, did, did it go, did you have ups and downs? Or, or just sort of talk us through your day over there and, and how it panned out. Because I know Cam Worth was there and he's always going to be out there spanking the bike. Um, unfortunately, I didn't see much of the coverage because it was the middle of the night over here. But, um, yeah, so yeah. Talk, talk us through your day. Yeah, the, um, my my race went absolutely. Yeah, it did go. It was a very good day, and it did go perfect. Um, like I had an most, I had a really good swim, a really strong swim. You know, Josh was up the road already, but <laughs> like he always is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we don't. I didn't get myself down about that. I knew that he's a much stronger swimmer. But I sat in the front pack, and I, you know, saved my energy. Um, you know, swimming's my cycling and running is definitely stronger than the swimming but um yeah so it saved my energy in the, uh, in the swim and came out of transition i think i was then second when i when i came out of transition and jumped on the bike mm-hmm. and um in the beginning of the bike i really was feeling strong uh, i went to the front and um and was setting the pace for at least 30 kilometers um on the front and then at one stage um, I just sat up and I told the other 15 guys, <laughs> come and uh, come and have a turn and come to the front and and help out. You know, yeah. um, the race the race is um, up the road. Let's let's work together. And um, Cam Worth came flying past me, <laughs> and he was like, uh, "Get on with the race, man! Stop um, stop messing around." Uh, so so yeah. he, he flew he flew by and. Um, I, in a, I initially tried to go, tried to go with that, that attack, and then when I looked at my wattage, I was just like, um, "No, that's crazy. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna hold back right here." Yeah. Um, so that was probably the smartest decision I made of the day. Yeah. And then I also went back into the pack, and I, and I did what the other guys are doing. You know, the runners, um, saving the energy, waiting, being patient, and. Um, and yeah, being patient for the second half of the race. So um, that was a, um, a smart decision. And then, but then at 100 and I think 130 k's on the bike, a bee flew under my visor mm. and stung me on my eyelid. Mm. Uh, so that wasn't pleasant because actually I couldn't see out of my one eye for at least 20 minutes. Wow. But I had luckily taken the sting out uh, quick enough that I didn't get a swollen eye and I wasn't um, I wasn't allergic. So I was really lucky. Um, but yeah, it was, that wasn't pleasant for at least 20 minutes. And then um, I went back. I mean, we were all working together. I think there was about four of us, Maurice Clavel, Ben Ben Hoffman, um, Enna Kalanos. So we all, you know, we were, we were having turns on the front. And then on the last 20 kilometers or last 15 kilometers, I went to the front. And um, when I look back, the guys didn't particularly look very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, so I I was on the front basically back back to T2, but I was I was I was staying in my wattage, my race plan. I wasn't doing anything crazy, and then when I got off the bike, I felt amazing. Um, I jumped off the bike, and I was I had that light, that light feeling in my legs, which is always what you want when you come off 180 kilometers of cycling. Yeah, and got on the run, and um, my first 10k's was was a little bit, maybe a little bit too quick. Um, I think if I controlled that a little bit more, probably could have run maybe, I don't know, a minute faster or 
at the end. But, you know, um, I was feeling really good. Um, I mean, you're feeling so good like that when you come off the bike. It's really hard to hold back that pace. Yeah. But um, I knew there was a two-minute two minute gap of the road, um, and there was an 11-minute gap to Cam Worth to mm-hmm. first. Um, so Josh was like two minutes ahead of me. And then when I when I was going out and Cam Worth was coming back and he saw me and he, he obviously knew it was 10 minutes, he was like, um, he said something like, come and catch me. Um, you got a long you got a long way to make up or something like that. And I was <laughs> like, okay, pressure's on now. Yeah. Um, and I just kept on doing my own race, actually. Um, I think Maurice Carvel said to me at the end of the, after the race, said, "What pace were you running for that first ten k's? Because I was trying to, I was trying to close the gap, and you were, you were flying. But you know, I was feeling good, and the crowd support was amazing along the beachfront. You know, all the family and friends and screaming, and um, I was feeling really, really good. Um, and then second lap, third lap, I just heard the times coming down, like two minutes, three minutes at a time, and I was like, wow, okay." Um, and then Cam said to me again, I think it was a six or six minute gap. And he was like, you still don't have me yet. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, it's, but that kept the fire burning. And um, and then I think I passed Josh at about the 20, um, yeah, probably about the 20, 20 kilometer mark, somewhere yeah. around there, I think. Yeah. So I passed Josh and I was feeling good and I was on a downhill and I just I opened up, but it wasn't really meant to be like, oh, let me try and break him. I was just doing my own, my own race. Mm. And um, and then I heard Cam was two minutes forty seconds up the road. Um, and then when I passed him, he was actually I could see he was walking. And then he mm. started running again. And then when I passed him, I didn't say anything. I just went right past. And then I could see he. I looked back about a minute later, and he was still running be- like ten meters behind me. Mm. But he didn't, when I looked back, he didn't look too good. So <laughs> I knew, yeah. Um, and then I got, I had a whole lap to really soak it in, soak it all in. And But, you know, the pressure was still on because anything can happen with 14 kilometers to go. Mm. So I was very um, focused. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't giving any um, expressions. That's, that's what I've heard. That's what I heard from everybody. You know, I was in a different place and um, I was still very, very focused and, didn't want to, I didn't want to, I was scared that I was going to slow down or so I was, you know, getting the calories in, getting the, like hydrating really well, stopping at every single aid station, grabbing water. And, um, and then with, even with two kilometers ago, I was still very, very focused, but then I kind of, the emotions all hit with that, that one or two kilometers to go. And I think there was an aid station with one kilometer to go and I like pretty much stopped just mm-hmm. to get liquid in. And then about 500 meters to go before I turned into the red carpet, like the emotions hit. And um, I actually kind of nearly came to a stop because like I was like, am I dreaming? Like I didn't, I didn't know if this was actually real. So, um, and then uh, yeah, eventually, you know, uh, soaked it all in and yeah, it was an incredible, absolutely incredible feeling and uh, like um, a dream come true. Uh, running down a red carpet, you know, with this African flag. Um, saw my mom, gave her a hug on the on the red carpet, ran down, you know, saw my wife at the end. 
Um, so it was it was definitely emotional and special, quite special. So was it satisfaction? You know, obviously a hometown race, which is really really special. But was it also was it was it the best Iron Ironman race you'd done in terms of your actual performance as well? Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Um, that was yeah, that was one of my best. That that was the best. Nice. So obviously, yeah. great performance there. It gives you an automatic slot to Kona and, and lots of points and um, and good prize money and things on the day. So so what's the rationale for for then turning around not too far down the track and, and doubling up um, and racing Cairns? Yeah, um, basically. So um, I did what we did last year. Um, hmm. uh, I came fourth at South Africa. Also had a really good race last year in South Africa. So and. You know, scraping in top top five, I was super happy. But then, backed it up with a second at at Brazil, um, when Tom, Tim Don broke. The, well, he had broken the world record back then, mm. and um, and and I felt actually better in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran better. I ran two minutes faster than I ran a two forty five marathon last year in Brazil, and so I was feeling really good. And my my fitness was exactly the same mm-hmm. when I went into Brazil. So we did the exact same kind of build again for Cairns, and I came into Cairns with um, the exact same fitness as I did for South Africa. Um, but my numbers in training were actually better. Mm. My heart rate was lower in all my intervals. Uh, my running was better. Um, we are. I, I was, we were actually planning and planning to run a two forty three marathon. Mm. Um, so. That that well, you know, I was I had done many training runs, long training runs, and I was running 3:51 average um, for two hours 15. So, with a relatively very low heart rate, so I knew my fitness was incredible, mm-hmm. and I was feeling really good. And um, but I knew um, later on the field that was that was coming. Yeah. And um, so I actually wrote down in my book that uh, that I would be actually satisfied with the top seven. Yeah. Just because the the field that was here, um, that was racing, you know, and they hadn't, most of the guys hadn't even done an Ironman um, yet this year. Well, yeah. some of them. Yeah. And so, but also, I didn't want to have a break. I didn't want to have my. I normally have like a three week break, um, and I didn't want to have that break after South Africa because I didn't want to spend twenty three weeks of training towards Kona because. I know what's going to happen is I'm going to get to 16 weeks or 18 weeks. And I'm going to be like, oh, I just want the race to happen now. Um, I've just been training all this time. So we trained up to this. There was eight weeks and definitely the, I had a week off after the race. And then I got back into it. The second week was probably the hardest week I've ever mentally had to go through um, in my career so far. It was really difficult. But then I just got better and better and better. And I was feeling amazing. And I was still, you know, doing eight-hour rides and, um, you know, still training 29 hours a week average. So um, so the, everything was looking really good. And then I, what I wanted to do is have a break after after this, after Cairns, a three-week break. Mm. And then do 16 weeks to Kona. Nice. So I found that, 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 really, that really was awesome. You know, I felt really good. Um, in Kona last year, my, you know, my fitness was, I don't know, 20 or 30 points more than Ironman South Africa last year and or Brazil. And I was feeling good. It's just, um, unfortunately, I had a mechanical. Um, and yeah. 
So does it change? Does it, did the race over there in um, in Cairns feel very different when you've got someone like Gomez on the start line? Does that change anything to do with the way you race, or you're just going to get on with your business and and he does what he does? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be honest. Um, before the race, I was a little bit, you know, normally like South Africa, I was very just. I was just very focused on what I had to do, you know. I couldn't think about the uncontrollables or I couldn't think of anybody else racing or Ben's coming back and he's going to, you know, get his third. And I just couldn't think about that anymore. I just had to think about my own. But then I thought when when Gomez was on the start line and Terenzo, Mm. um, to be honest, like no disrespect, but I didn't have any, any, you know, with Braden Curry. I wasn't, I wasn't, he was, you know, I had Gomez and I had Terenzo in my mind. Mm. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, when at the start down at the beach, I just you know I said to myself, um, and just before the cannon went, I just said I'm just going to do my own race today. Mm. Um, you know, anything can happen um, to Gomez. It's a it's a he's he still has to cycle 180 kilometers mm-hmm. um, and then run a marathon. So anything can happen. Mm. And yeah, that's what I did on the day. I just really had to think about my my own race, just like I did in South Africa. Nice. Um, and, and overall, how did you feel about, about Ken's? Obviously, you know, you're right there um, coming off the bike by the look of it. Um, obviously, we didn't get to see any bloody live coverage. Um, they can do it in uh. South Africa, but they can't do it in Ken's. <laughs> because I did watch a teensy uh. bit of South Africa. And I was going, this is great coverage, but they can't do it in Ken's. So, yeah. you know, you only managed um, a 257, which is on the run, which is a lot slower than I know you'd yeah. sort of wanted to go. But how did, how did you sort of feel when you come away with the race with a sixth place when you'd said, my goal is to get a top seven? Um, so you've obviously achieved that. <clears throat> but um, yeah. I'm sure you would have preferred to, to be running a bit quicker yeah um so actually the 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 swim could have actually gone a lot worse than what i what i did um i was behind somebody i don't know who it was and they opened up a gap to the group and i went around him to try and close the gap and it's probably the, one of the hardest things to do ever in a race for me mm. as not a strong swimmer and i put my head down and probably for about three to five minutes i swam as fast as i could and luckily, I had turn uh, two turn boys, and um, and when that happens, the gap, you know, it, it does that. Everyone spreads out again. So I was very lucky um, that I actually caught back onto the group, and so that that made that put me in a perfect position on the bike. I came out the water and I saw Terenzo ahead of me. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm not in a bad pack here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was Tim Burkle and Tim Reed with me and Luke McKenzie and so we came out the water I got on the bike and I had a fast transition I got on the bike and I felt really really good in the beginning um, and maybe pushed a little bit too hard in the beginning um, but the gap was two minutes and probably 20 kilometers down the road it was 130 and then um, and we were all we were riding strong, and I was I was feeling good. And then I got to the turnaround in Port Douglas. I think it was maybe about 45, 45 kilometers. And after the turnaround, um, I had clocked thirty seconds. Mm. And when when I, when I heard that, I got I don't know I got really excited. <laughs> and then um, it probably it probably hindered me and hurt me a little bit towards the, you know for the run. But I had other issues with the run as well. And I went to the front and probably did about a 20-minute effort, which I actually looked on on my file, and I averaged 303 watts for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we caught the group, 
at about 75 kilometers. So, and when I caught the group, you know, I actually went straight past them and I went to the front and then, because I was feeling good and I was, you know, I was riding my wattage then. Um, but looking back now, I think if I had to change anything, what I did on Sunday, I think that that 10 minutes, that extra 10 minutes, I could have maybe just sat back and sat with the, sat with the guys. Mm. Because at 140 or 150 kilometers into the race, I really felt my legs, you know, um, I rode my best wattage and I rode my best ever bike splits. But um, I definitely didn't feel as fresh as I did coming off the bike as I did in South Africa. Mm. But, you know, I came off the bike in, in Cairns and I was running 350. I actually ran my first kilometer in 347. It was too fast. And then I slowed it down and I went to a 349 and then I went to a 351. And I went to eight kilometers in like a 350 average mm. per kilometer. And um, I got the splits at 10 kilometers and they were two minutes ahead of me. <laughs> and I was thinking, um, well, what pace must they be running? Is my Garmin... Is my GPS wrong? Yeah. Like, like, what pace are they running? And I found out they were actually running for the first two Ks. They ran 3.15 average for the yeah. first two Ks. Yeah. Um, and I just was like, this is crazy. These guys are flying. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying, like, when I came and I, when I looked back off the race, uh, okay, and then at 22 kilometers, you know, I, was still, I went through 21 and 124. So I was... You know, I was on for a 250 marathon, a 249 marathon, which I would have been very happy with. But yeah. unfortunately, I was really having bad stitches in my stomach. Yeah. Um, so I had to walk quite a bit. Uh, probably that, and that lasted for about 30 minutes. Um, and that wasn't pleasant. I've never had that before. And I don't know if it was drinking too much liquid. Um, I've had stomach stomach pains and stomach cramps before, but I've never had stitches before on the side of my diaphragm in a race i've had it in training but yeah so it was it was pretty weird and and then my last six kilometers i started actually coming back again feeling good and the stitches went away um and then i passed reedy he wasn't feeling too good he wasn't looking too good and you know but i still had tim burkle a minute and a half back but then i probably that last six kilometers was like literally the hardest six kilometers i've ever had to run in a ironman because i was yeah, I wasn't feeling the best. So when I crossed the finish line in sixth, I was actually quite satisfied because, to be honest, we're looking back now, um, I could have easily come eighth or tenth. Mm. Um, if I carried on walking and didn't uh, push through, um, and, yeah, I could have easily come eighth or tenth, So and that would have been a little bit of a disaster. Mm. So what, what does the rest of the season look like? You know, you have uh, obviously said 16-week build-up to Kona, and that's going to be your, your big focus, but do you do any other racing between now and Kona? Yes, I will do two half Ironmans. So I'll do, um, I might do Boulder or Steelhead, one mm -hmm. of those. Because I'm going to go, we're going to have a three-week break now. We're here for till Saturday in Port Douglas, beautiful mm -hmm. up here. Having a bit of a holiday, we need a little bit of time off and, and then we're going to head over to the States. Um, I'm going to spend some time in, in Scottsdale in, in Arizona for like three weeks. And then we're going to go to Boulder for five weeks. And then, yeah, do two halves and then Kona. Mm -hmm. So we probably, yeah, either Boulder um, or Steelhead. And then, you know, we still make the decision to do Ironman 70.3 in Nelson Mandela Bay. Mm -hmm. 
in my hometown and then and then Kona. Um, yeah, and then after that, you know, I might do a race because and then have a break in December. Nice. We've got some some standard sort of questions we ask uh, ask the pro athletes that come on the show. Um, when you when you're lining up at a race, and if you if you are up against somebody who's had a um, a drug conviction for, for for cheating in the sport, how do you how do you sort of deal with that? Does it does it piss you off? Do you go nuts, or do you just go, well, I've served their time, I've just got to get on and do what I'm doing? Yeah, it does it does irritate me a little bit, um, to be honest. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the rules are the rules is a two-year ban and you come back, which is actually I don't know I don't know if I, I agree with that too much. I mean, mm. if you've cheated, you've cheated you. Um, but yeah, so it does it does piss me off a little bit, um, <laughs> especially you know we all we all need to make a living here in the, in the sport and the sport doesn't pay. It's not we don't get millions yeah. a year. And if somebody is coming in front of you or coming third and you coming fifth and you're losing, let's say, $2,000, because you could lose $2,000, you could even lose $15,000 if if you're in a championship race and one guy gets busted or Mm. he has been busted. Mm. But that hasn't happened. But I'm just saying, like, Mm. that's $15,000. That's a a lot of money. Mm. Um, So that that would piss me off because that's my that's my bread and that's my bread and uh, you know mm. bread and butter. Absolutely. And so yeah. Nutrition-wise, what do you do on uh, race morning for your breakfast, and and what do you, how do you fuel yourself during the day? Um. So when I so I'll have eggs, um, bit of butter and stuff in the morning. Um, a little just make sure I get a bit of protein in and black coffee since I've turned to more low carb, high fat. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the bike, I have a Nutritech Indurate um, electrolyte drink um, with with some bars. Um, and then, yeah, on the run, I stick to water and Coke. Very nice. Um, yeah. Okay, and the last three we normally have is, do you wax or shave your legs or neither? <laughs> shave. Shave. Facial <laughs> moisturizer, do you use it? Yes. Oh God, it's getting worse. And if you were to do a fresh, you said you haven't even done an Olympic distance triathlon, <laughs> but if you were to do a f- train up for say six months for a, for a marathon, just a fresh open marathon, um, just running build up. Any idea what sort of time you'd like to think you could do? Um. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think I could go. I think I could go probably two thirty. Maybe to 2.35. Oh, definitely two for quicker than 2.35. Bloody hell, I've been 2.36 yeah, yeah. and you're about a million miles in front of me. So I'm, 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 I think yeah, <laughs> easily 2.25. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that. that between 2.25 and 2.35, I would love to run. Nice. Um, okay, yeah. if people want to follow, follow your progress, are you a prolific um, social media person or a website or anything like that you want to plug? Yes, um, I've got a website, carlbuckingham.co.za. Uh, um, I spend more time now on Instagram. Um, I'm not too, I'm not like overly top on on the social media um, stuff, but um, I'm getting there. But Instagram, not not much Twitter, but I'm on Twitter as well. Nice. Yeah, and then my Facebook page, Carl uh, Buckingham Pro. Excellent. Awesome. I will look yeah. forward to, to catching up with you and Kona and seeing how you, you know, um, 
crack it in Kona. You know, you've had some great results, so we look forward to, to following your progress and uh, seeing you inside that, uh, having a single-digit number in front of you in Kona. Yeah, let's, let's hope so. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much. John, your thoughts? Yeah, late bloomer. To, late bloomer. Got into the sport fairly late, and, and I just like those. That's a good I, question. Mm-hmm. Who's the greatest old late starter? And we'd say starting, what, what's a late bloomer? Wow, you don't really get into sport till like your mid-20s, I'd say. I'd say 25 over. Yeah. Joyce is probably a good example of a fairly late bloomer. She, yeah. I mean, she, was a, she was a swimmer, but it's, it's of those ones that really came into the sport with not really any athletic background at all, like a, a Lionel Sanders, I think he ran at school and stuff, but wasn't like a Yeah, he's a, probably a the answer really, isn't he? Um, so I, I don't have the, the, the great answer for you. Maybe we'll Lionel use Sanders this discussion in the week one time, because it is an interesting, you know, like I'm sure over the years there's been lots of them, but mm. I can't really identify them right now. But it is, it is a funny sport that you can do that, because how many sports can you pick up in your mid-20s mm-hmm. and have a, a, a successful a, career? A, prof- a professional career yeah. at least. You know, someone like a Gordo, for example, he wasn't, or, uh, you know, he, he didn't get to top in Kona, but he was, you know, Yep, second in uh, I mean New Zealand and second in Canada, Canada as well. Yep. So he had a a professional career out of the sport. Uh, you yeah, see, so you're right. It's, there's a few other sports that you can do that if you really, really apply yourself and you have moderate levels of talent and ability. You can uh, you can do quite well. I think that that has shifted a lot in terms of ITU these days. You have to be you have, oh, to have no. quite a lot of uh, natural talent. Uh, luckily, in my career, I didn't have a lot of talent. But I was just lucky at the right time that if you train hard enough, you're able to actually um, and you do young. okay. Yes, I did start young. That was a big advantage. Yeah. So where was I going with this? It was it's just cool to see somebody who's a late bloomer who's got in, worked through the age group ranks pretty quickly, and then has gone on to the pro career and has uh, hasn't won a world title or anything yet, but has has had some pretty stellar results. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, so John. Uh, What's happening now? You put the end. We've just t- spoken. No, 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 no. I mean, what's happening now is in what's happening now for the rest of the week. So we, we've done the interview. <laughs> I've know. lost. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, well, so for the rest of the week now, so we've pretty much finished. Is, the show, we've, John. We've, we've finished talking to Kyle. Yeah, have we done it? Yes. You put, you've inserted it at the interview? Do I push stop? Yeah, i going to see your thoughts. Oh, okay. I thought that was before the interview anyway. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Okay. Anyway. We've confused ourselves. Confused me, which is so, not a hard task to so, do. So what's happening now for the rest of the week, John? So today is Tuesday in Germany. Race day is Sunday over here. So it's Sunday and not a Saturday race. Yep. So we've had our little ticky tour journey um, around and we're going to be arriving into... Nuremberg. Nuremberg today, so we've done three days in Hippelstein, which is the little town right next to where the swim start is, we're doing course reconnaissance, checking out the bike, checking out where the swim is, going into road, running part of the run course in road, and then we've gone off to Regensburg, and nobody's got lost on the bike ride to Regensburg, because it's all mapped nicely. And did someone get lost last year? No, they did pretty well. Yep. Did pretty well last year. We had some roadworks. That's what throws you when you've got your, yeah. your garments and everything all set up to go down these roads. And we had some roadworks. We had to get around a diversion, and that did throw things a little bit. Plus, we started getting yelled at by not being on the uh, the bike paths um, when we should have been, perhaps. Uh, so we had a couple of days in Regensburg, which is a beautiful place to go and visit. That's if you're seriously that is stunning, isn't neck it? Of the woods. Yeah. And I'd recommend we stay at the Ibis Styles, which is just across the river out of town. 
very good pricing and, and close uh, as well and close and the buffet meals I'm going to be holding back a bit this year but Bevan the buffet dinners there are pretty bloody good as are the breakfast I the buffet meal we sat outside next to the uh, oh da- that's right no it was Danube, good yeah good meat Danube, and you get these ginormous um, that's right no it was good ginormous sort of barges going down there and um, so it's good times and good place to run as well now we're in Regensburg and it's getting ready for race time good times so then, so we'll be bringing out a show every day this week, um, more or less, and you'll be hearing from the campers, you'll be hearing from some of the pro athletes, we're going to the press conference where we'll try to get the big hitters in terms of Keenlay, etc, but I've got a few people lined up already, and uh, it's looking good, and then best of all will be those post-race interviews, and we'll be going hard out. We double trouble last year, just had Bevan, did a great job, but this year we'll, we'll pretty much be capturing everybody like we do in Kona. The only problem was I couldn't get that media pass, John. Oh, Bevan, you're disappointed. And I tried hard, no. And Vix, Vix loves She tried really hard for us to get that. We, what we did last year, in Kona, you can pretty much stand right behind the finish line and get them as mm-hmm. they come across. And wrote, they, they only let the TV media behind last year. Mm-hmm. So I tried to see if I could get in, because you, you basically have to hang around 20 metres away, but it's, you, you're just not in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Victoria tried her hardest, but they just couldn't get it to us. So we'll be we'll be kind of hanging around like a bad smell. But we, we'll get the interviews. And look, if you see us, um, come and say hello. Um, yep. And be the pre-race or post-race, we'll almost always have the microphone with us. Um, we, I'll post something on the Facebook page as well. We're probably going to go to the Tanya Pura, going to have a tent um, oh, in the nice. expo. So we might have a, a sort of an allocated time that we're at the Tanya Pura tent. One year, we, one thing that we definitely will be doing is going to the Erdinger party, which we did last year. Yeah. Cool chance to go and just see the pros up close. And they're all wearing their Lederhausen and all that sort of stuff. Um, but we'll definitely be there. Are we doing the run again? Do I have to get my podium spot again? You do, and you're going to have a bit of a challenge this year. Oh, I think you'll take me out because I haven't been doing much running lately. Yeah, well, my fitness Oh, actually, John. Actually, well, well, actually, I have been doing training. Second no, training. no. You run fast when you're training. I, I don't go on Strava a lot, but when I go on, there's only a couple of people I follow. You're, you run faster than me. Well, I don't. Go. I don't inspect your files, but I look at your average pace. You run quite a high average pace when you train. I don't muck around, mate. I'm yeah. here to train. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to muck around. Yeah, yeah. Challenge is on. It is. <laughs> the challenge is on. I, I, I won't tell you that. I'll tell you that on the start line. Last year, <laughs> <laughs> you tell me on the start line. Uh, put, put diuretics in your drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? No, John. I was meant to be doing your marathon this year. Yes, meant to be. Yeah, that ain't happening. No. Well, we bought a house. Right. <laughs> you haven't seen the new house yet. You haven't been yeah. to the new house. It's a better house. Let's yeah. Put it that way. So we've decided, you, the good news is you can delay it to the next year. Mm-hmm. So we're delaying it to the next year, um, but we've bought our hotel and we can't get out of it. But you can transfer it to somebody else. Oh, so I thought you bought a hotel. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some Life's going well, John. Siphoning <laughs> we the bought, funds off somewhere. We bought a hotel in New York City. So yeah. no, but um, we can. Someone else can buy it off us. So basically, if you if you do New York Marathon, we've got it. I think it's in Times Square. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would be a pretty decent hotel because I know my wife always likes a nice hotel. So. Um, uh, we'll give it to you cheaper than what we paid. So if you go to New York and you want a cheap hotel um, and you're doing New York Marathon for about five days beforehand, um, flick me, flick us an email and I can give you no details and you can pay it off us and you'll get it cheaper than what you pay for on the internet. And I imagine it'd be more expensive now because it's closer to the race. So um, yeah, if you are, let me know. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Andon. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.